Welcome to the No Neutral Moments Podcast. My name is Patrick Payton, and it's my pleasure to discuss, to explore, and maybe even to discover what it means for each one of us to live our lives fully engaged, to challenge each one of us to be fully aware, and completely expecting to engage to the fullest everything we've been designed, called, and gifted to be. So with all this in mind, let's not waste any more time. Let's go ahead and get engaged. Well, hello there, and welcome to this week's edition of the No Neutral Moments podcast. I think if I was going to give this a title, I would call it um, Just Talking Part Two. So as I sit here and record this in my home, uh, you are probably sitting in your home. Uh, Most of us are working from our our homes, a home office, or you're visiting the office uh, rarely unless you're out in the field or you're having to be at an office somewhere or an essential business, as they call it. But thank you again for spending some time here. And um, I'm just going to start off with being very blunt and, you know, not blunt in a rude way, but just telling you, I'm, you may find yourself in the same position I'm in and, and maybe not. But for me, it's getting to the point where... Um, creativity, so to speak, maybe feeling inspired is a little difficult uh, because of the situation we're in. Seems like there's, it's difficult to find good news. It seems like it's, it gets old to watch the news and hear how bad things are, or if we're uh, overplaying this thing or whatever the situation might be. But I hope you're doing well. I hope you're, you're thriving and finding ways to thrive and and really, rather than trying to come up with some uh, pithy sort of leadership lesson, I'm sitting here on Maundy Thursday. I'm sitting here during Holy Week, and it's Good Friday tomorrow as I sit here and record this. And I thought I'd just get a little more personal about faith issues. Um, as I've spoken in um, other podcasts, you know I come from a very um, evangelical perspective, and used to be a pastor for two decades. So for those of you who aren't of that particular belief, uh, I just want you to know this is going to be one of those more um, convictional, I guess you could say, podcasts. Uh, but it, it's really one of those podcasts that I hope you'll listen to, even if you don't share the same faith conviction as me, because in just talking, I want to be very forthright with you. And maybe you'll get an idea of how I hold on to a particular faith that I do in these particular seasons of life. Because really, in my Christian faith, there are things that I do struggle with. I'll give you just a huge issue for me. And and that is the, the uh, I will call it a truth, but to some people it's a notion. To some people it's impossible. It's I'm telling you this because it's it, I wrestle with it at times. But by the end of this podcast, I'll tell you where my wrestling stops, so to speak. But I do oftentimes have struggles with the quote, uh, the conviction that God is running the show, that everything happens uh, according to God's will, that um, God knows exactly what he's doing, uh, and so on and so forth, because just take our current example that we're in right now. When, when you look at where we are and you think about what's going on in the world and you think about the death and destruction economically and physically, yeah, that 
You can either be really, really optimistically naive and say, yep, God's running the show and this is exactly how it's supposed to be, which I guess that's what that is. Or you could say, I struggle with that. And I don't think it's wrong or dangerous to struggle with things. I really don't. I used to. I used to think in my Christian life it was very, um, I used to think it was wrong to struggle with questions because I thought that you had to have an answer for everything. But the older I've gotten, the more I've realized, the less I have to have a particular answer to a particular question, as long as I have a particular answer to the larger question. And again, I'll get to that here in just a minute. I don't anticipate I'll keep you uh, very long. So I've grown comfortable without having an answer to the question. I've grown comfortable without feeling like I have to um, answer everything as long as I have a very particular answer to a large question. But I want to share with you something out of the Bible that uh, has become a favorite scripture of mine over the years. It's found in the book of Psalms, and many people who may not even be familiar with the Bible are at least familiar with the Psalms or find themselves familiar with the Psalms and maybe even the Proverbs. But there's one particular Psalm. It's Psalm numbered 37 or chapter 37, and it has some interesting things in it. It says, do not fret yourself because of the evil or those who do evil. It says, trust in the Lord and keep doing the things that are good. Doesn't mean, doesn't mean religious stuff. It, it says, do good stuff. That's why I like what Titus and uh, Paul say in First Thessalonians, especially and in the book of Titus, that we're to do good stuff, that do good stuff. And, and it's not even religious if it's not good. And religious stuff is useless unless it's good. But it says, do not fret yourself. And this word that is used for fretting is spinning around. It's, you could call it an anxiety. It's an effort to try to control things. It's fear-based. And it goes on to say, stay where you are and be faithful where you are to those around you and to the people around you. Delight yourself in the Lord. And then this is probably one of my favorite verses in this passage. It says, commit yourself or commit your way to the Lord and trust him and he's going to come through. That's an interesting word. And I only know these things because I have computer programs and I studied a little bit in seminary and the Old Testament. A lot of it was written in Hebrew. And, and this word that is used in Psalm 37 for commit actually is a word that we would, uh, the word we would use is to roll something. So, so it says, commit your way to the Lord, go ahead and trust him and he'll take care of it. And, and this picture of committing your way to the Lord, get in your mind the mental picture of a young child sitting on the floor with father or mother or uncle or aunt or whatever, grandparent, whatever. And you both got, you're sitting on the ground, you got your legs spread apart and you've got a ball uh, on the ground in front of you. And you play that little game where you roll the ball back and forth. And, and you know, as you're the adult, you'll say, okay, roll it back to me. And they'll roll it back to you. And you'll just play this little game of rolling the ball back and forth. But every once in a while, when you're playing the game, sometimes the kid wants to keep the ball. Or, or even you, if you're joking, you know, you'll say, well, I'm going to keep it. And, and you just play the game. Well, have that mental picture in your head because literally what this means when it says commit your way, commit your life to the Lord, it really means roll it back over. Roll this stuff over to the Lord. He will care. He carries the burden is the idea behind this. And in the same passage, 
the same book of the Bible, it says, like I told you, do not fret yourself. And, and later on, it'll say, fret not again. And it's telling us the reason sometimes you, you are in such a, a tizzy or in your, you're such, in such nervousness is because you think if you have the ball, you're in control. And one of the things that's a constant life lesson for me, especially in my faith walk, is that I'm, I'm really just not in control. That control is an illusion. And, and about the only thing I have control over is the choice of my attitude and the choice of my belief or the object of my faith. Literally, those two things. Even if I want to think that I have control over my health because I have control over the decision to exercise, I don't. If, if I want to say I'm controlling my, fun, my financial life because I'm following all the right principles financially, still, I have no control over the financial future. I do have control over the object of my faith, and I do have control over my attitude in any given circumstance, as Viktor Frankl reminds us, that you cannot take that freedom of choosing my attitude because therein lies my power and my growth. And so... When I'm in particular seasons that I'm in right now, like you are in, I have to guard myself against fretting and I have to choose. And, and for me, I have to choose to um, roll my concern back to the Lord. For me, that occurs in journaling. It occurs in my prayer life. For me to literally confessionally say to my heavenly father, I am giving my burdens over to you. Cast your cares upon the Lord, the scripture tells us, because he cares for you. Now, what in the world does all this have to do with Easter weekend? Well, remember I said, uh, I have to have a very specific answer to a very big question. Um, And so even when I say things like commit my way to the Lord and I'm gonna trust him and he's gonna take care of me. Psalm chapter 37 later on says, uh, the psalmist writes, I have been young and now I am, I am old, but I have never seen the God-centered, it's the word he uses is the righteous, but it really means righteousness is this idea of being God-centered in your life. And so David is saying, look, I've lived a long life and, and here's the one thing I can tell you. I've never seen people who are God-centered in their life forsaken. God has not let them down. Now, Does that mean you haven't been let down? I know that seems like an oxymoron. Yeah. Have you had some bad stuff? Yeah. Have you had some questions? Yes. Do you still have some questions about what what in the world is God doing? Well, yeah, so did Job. The wonderful thing about the story of Job is all that stuff happened to Job and he still never got an answer to why. That's That's a really profound book in the Bible that all the stuff Job went through, the losing, the loss of everything God did not give him an ex, give him an explanation for it. And, and really, at the conclusion of the whole thing, all Job said was, and I'm paraphrasing it, you can go back and look at it in the last chapter of the book of Job. He basically says, you know what, God? Um, I, I know you better, and that's enough. Now, that's hard. I mean, if you've lost loved ones, you've gone through difficult times, you've lost your job. I mean, it's hard to say the righteous are not forsaken when you feel like you have been forsaken But the story of the book of Job says Job found out God was enough. Now, again, what does all this have to do with Easter weekend? Well, I'll tell you what it has to do with Easter weekend, because I've said before to people that I believe 
a whole lot less than I used to believe when I was younger. But the few things that I do believe, um, I'm hanging my life on them. In other words, I was very idealistic, like so many of us have been in younger age, and some of us continue to be as we get older. Very idealistic about certain beliefs, very very certain of myself in certain beliefs. And then I found out sometimes life's questions got too big for little specific answers that really didn't answer the big question. And then I had to get really tested one time on, okay, what am I going to hang my hat on when it comes to my Christian faith? I mean, there are things you can read in the Old Testament, if you're really honest, that you can go, wow, that, that's tough. You can read about miracles and think, well, I've never really seen a miracle, but are you going to believe the Bible? What does all this have to do with Holy Week? What does all this have to do with Easter weekend? Well, for me, it goes to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and um, which is the linchpin chapter of everything that I believe. And if you consider yourself to be a follower of Jesus, it is also the linchpin of everything you believe. And I'm going to read some of it because the Apostle Paul is writing this and he says, I want to remind you, my brothers and sisters, of the good news that I preached to you, uh, that you received it and it's the good news you stand in. And it's the good news that is saving you and you hold fast to this word. He says, I delivered to you as of first importance what I received, that Christ, that is Jesus, died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, that he appeared to Peter and then to the 12 apostles. He appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, and most of whom are still alive. I remember when he's writing this back in the first century, some of them have, have died, he said. Then he appeared to James, and then he appeared to the apostles. And then he refers to himself, and he says, Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me. I'm the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. Then he goes on to say, If Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how come some of you say there is no resurrection from the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, here comes the Specific question to all the big questions. If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and so is your faith. And to me, that's it. The Apostle Paul says, if Jesus did not come out of the grave, then all this preaching and all this suffering is worthless. And, and he even says, listen to this, he says, your faith is in vain. If you, if you've followed this podcast at all, you've heard me talk about issues like faith and you've heard me say your faith has to have an adequate object. There's no such thing as just faith for the sake of faith. There's, when you say someone is a person of faith, that is meaningless unless you know what the object of their faith is. Sometimes people say they're a person of faith and it just means they have faith in religion. Uh, some people say they're a person of faith and it just means they have religion. They have faith in a preacher or they have faith in a denomination or, or they really don't even know what their faith is in because they didn't know that their, the object of their faith was Jesus. They thought they were a person of faith and Jesus came along for the ride. Paul is saying the only hope your faith has for me, and this is me talking to you. Remember, this is just talking part two. The only hope of an adequate object that my faith has is that I believe the Jesus Christ we speak about, the historical figure of Jesus Christ, no argument that he lived, everybody believes that. There's no argument historically that he died on a cross. 
the linchpin of this whole thing is he came out of a grave, that he was resurrected. And as, po- as impossible as that might seem, nobody has found his grave. Nobody has found his body. Nobody has found his bones. And we still have to deal with the issue that Christ has been raised. He says it again a couple of verses later. He says, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and and you're still in your sins. And remember what sin is. Sin is not stealing cookies from the cookie jar. That is an act of it. But but sin is me trying to meet my God-given needs in a non-God-centered way. It's me believing I can meet my needs most effectively and most efficiently apart from Christ. And you can't. That's what the Bible talks about when it says you're dead in your trespasses and sins. You can't find life. That's the, the wonderful news of Jesus Christ is it's not just being good church people. It's finding out that the very answer to the longing of my soul is being reunited to the creator of my soul. But he says, if Jesus hasn't been raised, this is a joke. And then he says, those who are dead, they're just gone. And then he says, and if in Jesus we have hope in this life only, then we are to be pitied. I mean, he says everybody should feel sorry for us if that's really what's going on. And then later on in the chapter, he, he just elaborates some more on some of this. And and really when it gets down to it, he says, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, be immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. All of that just to say it's Holy Week. I just wanted to talk to you because quite frankly, I, I think my tank is almost empty. But when I get to Easter weekend, which is, you know, Easter weekend, if you want to think in terms of importance, I mean, if there's if there's no Easter weekend, then the birth of Jesus is no big deal either. That's the truth. I mean, if there's if there's no resurrection, then Jesus being born in a manger in Bethlehem is just a cute story. That's all that is. And if Jesus just walked the earth and he didn't, he wasn't resurrected, then he is nothing more than just a prophet who said a lot of good things that has some things written in a book that all of us have on a shelf called the Bible. The linchpin for me, the, quite frankly, the only thing that keeps me going sometimes and the only thing that keeps me believing sometimes is the reality that Jesus was resurrected. And that's the only thing I can hang my hat on sometimes when life doesn't make sense is that Jesus conquered the grave, that he conquered death. And you, and you may think that's naive, but you still got to deal with it. And you either believe he was resurrected or he wasn't. And if he wasn't resurrected, reject it all. But if you believe that he was resurrected out of the grave, you can hang your faith on that as an adequate object that Jesus is the Savior who was resurrected. And as the Bible says, sits at the right hand of the Father forever advocating for us who have placed our faith and trust in him, not in a church, not in a denomination, not in a preacher, not in a health and wealth gospel. That's all a joke. But those who have placed their faith in a resurrected Jesus. And I hope for you, this particular Holy Week, uh, you find um, sufficiency, so to speak, in the resurrection of Jesus Christ for your faith. Thanks for listening to No Neutral Moments. Please continue to pass this podcast on to your friends. Tell them all about it. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes. God bless you. And remember, as you go through this week, there are no neutral moments. 